Welcome back to Soft Skills 101. Today we will be continuing our interview with Justin Warfill on integrity. So I just want to go, I want to revisit politics because I've just appreciated your take on politics over the years and some of your stories about politics have really been um, eye-opening as well as shocking to me. <laughs> um, and, and some of our my family's brief forays into politics, my kids have done um, quite a bit of campaigning and stuff. And at one point, I just came to the thought that I don't, I don't think you can really be a Christian in politics. I, it just seems like politics are so slimy and manipulative. I think I've softened on that quite a bit because I do think it's actually possible to be a Christian in politics. But what, what do you think it takes to be a person of integrity in politics? Do you think it's really, do you think you can be? And if so, what kind of sacrifices are, <laughs> are involved in that? Certainly, I, I believe that you can be, but I believe that it's very difficult and that far more likely than not is the fact that you're going to see politicians who lack integrity than ones who actually have them. Uh, but I, I do believe it is possible for a, a Christian person to get involved in politics and maintain their integrity, but I think it takes a great deal of intentionality. Mm -hmm. What's your best story of somebody you know with integrity? My best example of of someone who evidences integrity within within the political realm. Boy, that's really difficult. There aren't many. I, I, I'm sad to say that most of my examples would probably be of individuals who lack integrity. And I, I, I think maybe I'll speak to that first. It's easier, and perhaps it's something that people need to give consideration to. I, I think getting back to the idea of partisanship that I was talking about earlier, mm -hmm. it's easy to see the lack of integrity within the other side. It's often very difficult to recognize it uh, within our own community because we, we often want to think the best about ourselves and about those whom we support. And I will say that as, as someone who's worked exclusively uh, within the, the, the Republican Party uh, in electoral politics, that I think the greatest example of a lack of integrity that I've seen within politics has actually been the Republican Party itself. As an institute, you and I would consider ourselves to be individuals of a Christian worldview, correct? Correct. Now, each election year, what do we see from Republican politicians? They come to us and they tell us the issues that we hold dear and how much those issues matter to them, how much they're going to fight for those, how much the Christian conservatives and, and they share the, the, the similar values and want to accomplish the thing, same things in Washington. But I can tell you, in my experience working within the Republican Party, that as soon as that conversation ends, as soon as the cameras go off, as soon as the representative of the Christian conservative community leaves the room, they are mocked by political officials, they are ridiculed by political officials. They are laughed at by Republican political officials. Mm. Their desire, in the main, is simply to find individuals to vote for them. Mm -hmm. And they will say whatever they need to say in order to get individuals from a given demographic to show up on election day and vote for them. And so if you're a Christian conservative, and what it takes for me to get you to vote for my candidate is to tell you that I support your biblical worldview and your desire to see that impact the, uh, the political arena, 
And that's what I'll say, whether or not I believe it. I think a, a great evidence of this is, you know, I grew up in Illinois. Mm-hmm. I cut my teeth working on politics in the state of Illinois. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't all that long ago that a re- an elected Republican official from the state of Illinois was serving in Congress as the Speaker of the House. And this individual was selected by Republicans throughout the House to represent them as their leader and as the one they were willing to put third in line to the presidency. Now, it's since come out, that individual has since left elected office, retired from from political service, and was arrested a few, uh, maybe a few years ago, because they were structuring their bank accounts. The reason this individual, this is uh, Speaker of the House, Dennis Hastert, the reason he was structuring his his, uh, bank withdrawals was because he was trying to hide the fact that he was paying a bribe to another man whom decades ago in the 1970s, Dennis Hastert had had a sexual relationship while Dennis Hastert was working as a public school teacher and as a wrestling coach. Mm-hmm. And one of his students, he was having a sexual relationship with one of his male students. Dennis Hastert didn't want this to come out. And so he was paying this individual to remain silent. Wow. Wee, that's so tragic. It, I mean, on every level, it's just tragic. It, it, it is. It's tragic for the lives of everyone involved in that situation. And it has long-standing ramifications, not only for they themselves, but it has implications for who the Republican Party is as an institution and what it actually represents within Washington, D.C., and the impact that that has on legislation that comes out of Washington. Mm-hmm. Now, it was an open secret in Washington that Dennis Hastert was homosexual. It's not as if it was unknown by his political colleagues. They may or may not have known about the fact that he was having sex with young boys when he was a high school teacher, but they certainly knew that his sexual proclivities were still towards other men. I mean, he and his male chief of staff, in fact, lived together in an apartment in Washington, D.C. So it was an open secret amongst every Republican elected official in Washington, D.C., that Dennis Hastert was gay and that he was having sexual relations with other men. That was known. And yet, the Republican, these same Republican officials would return home to their districts and talk about family values, talk about biblical values, talk about fighting against, at the time, fighting against uh, the recognition of, uh, the, the, the changing of the definition of marriage so that it would include uh, homosexual unions. These individuals would come to us, ask us for our support, ask us for our, our, our donations, ask us to vote for them on election day, and then return back to a cesspool within which they worked and elect leaders amongst themselves whom they knew to live lives that represented the opposite of what they told us they valued. Mm-hmm. Now, that's lack of integrity on a grand scale. Mm-hmm. Right, very much so. And it, and it leaves me feeling like, how do you know who to vote for then? You know, I mean, I still very much believe in the power of the vote. I, I still vote every election and it's important to me that, that people go and vote. So I'm really pro voting, but it does, it does beg the question. I mean, where do you find the integrity to vote for? It's difficult. 
Okay. Well, the, and what's your, can you think of a great story about integrity? Um, who's, and it can be broader than politics. Who do you look up to as a person of high integrity that, that has influenced you? you know, they, well, there is an individual within the political sphere whom I think evidences a great deal of personal integrity. And he would probably be embarrassed that I was bringing him up on a, on a radio broadcast or a podcast rather. But I, I would say that uh, Larry Roden, who is the current sitting lieutenant governor of the state of South Dakota, with whom I've been friends for oh, 14 years, I think very highly of the man because I've known him on a personal level. I, I, I've seen his faith in action in his work in politics. I know him to be, uh, most of the time that I've known him, he was serving in the state legislature. And I've known him to be a citizen legislator, a man who came from the community to represent the community and to represent the values of the community. And that community happened to be a community very much living out a biblical worldview on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. And he himself, a great representative of the values that they held as a, as a people, he himself lives those out. And now, I, I don't want to laud anyone as if they're a, a larger-than-life figure. Each and every one of us has our own personal flaws, has failings. And Paul says that so oftentimes we do those things that we desire not to do. Mm -hmm. So the reality is, that it would be easy to find within any one of us a lack of integrity at a given moment or within a given context. But by and large, when I've watched this gentleman over the years, I've been impressed by the integrity that he evidences within an arena that really encourages individuals to compromise their integrity. Mm -hmm. That's Wow, what a great endorsement. And it's nice to know that we have elected officials who do walk out integrity. I mean, I, we need to pray for them because they're in a political arena. They're in an arena, like you said, that demands compromise, and yet they're trying to stand firm to the end. So we need to pray for our elected officials, both those who hold our beliefs and those who don't. Do you have anything else you want to say about integrity, generally or specific? I mean, you, we've covered a lot of ground in just this brief amount of time, but I'd love to, anything that you want to leave our listeners with. I'm particularly interested in your thoughts. If you believe we can teach integrity, um, if it's caught, not taught, if there are certain things that parents and families can do to teach it, or what are your thoughts on that? Well, I, I, I would say that the answer to the question, can we teach integrity, is both yes and no. It depends on what we mean. Mm -hmm. I think you and I were talking again before the broadcast started or before the recording started that uh, we were talking about integrity within the, big, the business world and how if you, if you were to go to any business school in the nation, you would find that they would have coursework on ethics and integrity. It would, it would be built into the curriculum. Yet without question, we see on a daily basis a lack of integrity within corporate America. Mm -hmm. And so there's a disconnect there between what's being taught within the institutions and what's being acted out with, uh, within the career field. And, and I, I believe that's because you cannot, once an individual has passed the formative years of their life, teach them integrity if they do not already have it or if they are themselves not striving towards it. it integrity isn't something that can be forced on an individual from the outside. It's something that has to be valued from within and, and sought after intentionally. The one period in an individual's life 
where they're open to it from an exterior source, or perhaps when they're most, maybe not the one period where they are, but the one period when they're most open to it is when they're young, when they're at home, living alongside their parents. And in that sense, if we model it in the lives of our children, well, then certainly we are were, we were able to teach it. But we can teach it through modeling, not through a curriculum, but rather through living it out by example. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And, and just, and really being aware of areas in our own life where we're falling short, like you said, um, we're all falling short all the time, which is why thankfully God's mercies are new every morning. Um, Cause we need to recalibrate every 24 hours, <laughs> get squared away and try again. And I'm not sure really how, you know, there's, I, I looked up be, uh, as I'm preparing for this month of just talking about integrity as a soft skill. There's a lot of articles on integrity and how to, how to know if you have integrity and things to do if you have integrity, but there's not a whole lot on lack of integrity or how to fill in the, fill in the gaps left by lack of integrity. Because when you encounter people without integrity, it's not just a reflection on them. It actually, um, it hits other people and it can really damage other people. It can, it can ruin careers. It can ruin families. It can bring people down. And I found that very interesting that there's almost like a, there's so much on integrity, but not really very much on what happens when um, integrity doesn't occur. And just given the news and how much uh, there are just real breaches of integrity amongst people, I found that a little curious. Um, I think ultimately a, a lack of integrity within any institution or within society at large, the only impact that that can have is to destabilize relationships. If I know that, uh, or if someone else knows, let's, let's say someone knows the, that I, they discern that I'm not an individual of integrity, then there's, there's no reasonable means by which they can relate to me and interact with me because they know they cannot trust what I say and what I do will be the same thing. And they, therefore, they can't depend upon me. Mm-hmm. And when individuals cannot depend upon each other, then they cannot engage in meaningful relationship. If institutions are defined by a lack of integrity, then eventually society starts to understand that they can't trust those institutions. And I think we're seeing that within our country right now, that institutions by and large are not trusted by the average American citizen because the average citizen understands at a subconscious level that there is a a, a great dearth of integrity in our society at large, and we notice it when we have to interact with institutions. We notice the impact of that lack of integrity when we interact with institutions that are form the pillars of our society, yet which we intuitively realize we can't trust. Mm. And eventually, the fabric of society starts to unravel. When the lack of integrity becomes the norm, individuals cannot relate to one another in a way that's tr- in a trusting fashion. We can't depend upon each other. And we ultimately realize we can't depend upon our institutions. And once we lose faith in those institutions and we lose the ability to interact with them in a meaningful fashion in society, like I say, starts to unravel. It starts to crumble around us. And I think over the past few years, there's been a general sense among the populace at large that we're experiencing that right now. Mm-hmm. One of the things I've, I've heard more and more is people sharing their truth, um, which I find very disconcerting because in my mind, truth is a capital T 
um, and, and it's actually represented by Jesus. But when people start talking about their truth, little t, it just seems like anything goes at that point, that there's no bottom line, um, everything's situational. And that that is really destabilizing because if you can't trust people um, and trust a common language and a common understanding about um, things that don't, again, going back to feelings that don't have to do with your feelings or my feelings, where, where does it all end? Any, anybody can say anything about anything. And that's truth when that that's actually not truth. That's your, it's your narrative. It's your story. It's your make-believe for the moment, but it is concerning how often you hear that statement getting thrown around as if it's so meaningful and and it goes back to exactly what you just said the the destabilization of society and and the inability to trust institutions and each other really and it, i Lisa, i don't want to leave the podcast on on a, on a down note yeah. I, I i simply everything we've been saying i believe to be true i i think we see evidence for it in, in our society around us that we are in a very bad place at this at this moment in history as a as a culture Nevertheless, I think that is a, 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 an encouraging thing for us to realize mm-hmm. because it, it's the truth of God's word. As we've seen our society move further and further away from the guiding principles of biblical teaching, we see happen in society exactly what we expect. That as people move, as our society, as our culture, as people within our society and culture move further away from God's word, that they become inherently more corrupt and that the institutions become inherently more corrupt and that society at large becomes inherently more corrupt. That speaks to the great truth of the need for Christ in the lives of each and every one of us, Mm -hmm. of the need for the foundation foundation of our lives to be based upon biblical principle. That's encouraging. It evidences the truth of God's word and it reaffirms and reassures us that we can put our faith in scripture. When we see that a world devoid of the truth of Scripture or a world that intentionally operates in opposition to to Scripture, when we see that that kind of world is one that lacks integrity, one that lacks consistency, one that that, uh, is essentially chaotic and lawless, when we see that that is the effect of living a life in opposition to God's Word, then effectively what we're seeing is that God's Word is true. Mm -hmm. And that should be an encouragement us in our daily lives to know that God's word is true and that we can depend upon it. And Mm -hmm. so at any point in time, if we turn back to it, if we repent of the mistakes that we're making, the lies that we're living, and turn back to God's word, we know that we have the opportunity to bring stability and consistency and integrity back into our lives. Mm. That is a great note to stop on. And thanks for that encouraging word, because absolutely, um, he is he is all integrity and all truth, and we can sure count on him. So, thanks for joining me, Justin. I always appreciate your your thoughts and um, and your analysis of the culture and politics and the church and so much more. Um, it's always fun to talk with you. Justin Warfield will be teaching at True North this coming fall. He's going to be teaching. American history and world or comparative religions. So if you have a high school student who would like to be challenged by a good critical thinker, 
um, you need to sign them up for Justin's classes coming up. Thanks, Justin. It was great to have you on the show today. Thanks so much for having me, Lisa. It was my pleasure. Thanks. Thank you.